If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to another episode of the Comic Bureau Field Report. The Comic Bureau Field Report is a member of the Believe podcast family. That's spelled B-L-E-A-V. That is the name of the network. And that is why in the second week of 2022, you will read Believe in the Comic Bureau Field Report as the name of this podcast. Uh, perhaps Spotify Studios disbanding uh, will change things, shake things up, and maybe it'll just be called the Comedy Bureau Field Report. Who knows? Um, sidebar, I wonder what that means for Joe Rogan. <laughs> they paid him $100 million, uh, which is crazy for a podcast. Anyways, on to this week's guest. Uh, I would say an instrumental improviser in the LA comedy scene, a very, very funny person, uh, the, the main person behind the Holy Shit Improv. Uh, which was and will again be at the Silver Lake Lounge, I think, on Mondays. He'll tell me if I'm wrong. Casey Faye, everybody. Hello. Let's get into Joe Rogan. That's what I'm here for. Let's yeah. talk about, let's not have it be a sidebar. That's what I'm booked. I want to talk about a podcast I've never heard, but can only imagine. Sure. Um, Do you have a hot take on his uh, comedy club still not opening? No, I honestly didn't even know he was doing one. I'm a, I, I, I was a news radio fan and mm-hmm. then, um, since then, Joe Rogan has slowly fallen off my radar. Um, right. But I'm one of the few. It sounds like he's crushing it. Right. This, was was it Fear Factor? Probably not a good idea to start a podcast shooting on one of the most popular podcasts of all time. So I'm just remaining neutral. Oh, I think Joe it, it has the same sort of like um, fuel driving, I, like Howard Stern and his rise in the sense that mm-hmm. like, a bunch of people listen to him because they love him, and then a bunch of people listen to him because they can't fucking stand him. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, maybe he'll have the same career turn as Howard Stern and and uh, come around to learn some things. Uh, like, doesn't Howard Stern save a lot of cats and stuff like that? <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm awesome. pretty sure Howard Stern is pro-vaccine. Yeah, I, I bet. Yeah, I bet he, I bet he is as well. Um, yes, uh, but back to back to my intro. Thank you for having mm-hmm. me. Uh, yes, we are. We're coming back. Uh, Silver Lake Lounge. Uh, actually, I'm not sure when this is released, but we're going to come back on the 17th. January 17th will be our next show. And then oh, cool. hopefully, hopefully uh, every week after that. Every that, Monday. Great. Uh, this will be released tomorrow. <laughs> Casey. Great. Then you know what? So then now you know what we're talking. You guys will know we were actually talking yesterday. Right. Would you, for the listeners, do you want to just give a explanation is what has happened to the world of improv that has given 
the birth of holy shit improv sure yeah i mean uh well part of it i guess is the world of improv but it's kind of just the world uh is that you guys if you're not if you're listening to this you might not know the world shut down a little bit um (laughs) some places longer than others some places more of an actual shutdown than others uh la where we're uh, broadcasting from kind of really shut down uh and Mm -hmm. not just once but a lot of times uh and uh the difference i guess in improv than like stand-up is uh it's a group activity um and so sometimes requires uh just because anything can happen like spitting in someone's mouth uh that might that might happen and so uh might, COVID- it does happen <laughs> yeah yeah most scenes i'm in i try to make sure some there's some spit going in someone's mouth um <laughs> and uh and so covid made that a lot harder for us to do that um so at times uh we've gradually been figuring out ways we can do it. We tried the online thing for a while. Uh, you know, that you can podcasting is a version that kind of works safe from your own home. Uh, but I, I like improv uh, in large part because I like to hang out with my friends um, before, after, and during. And so uh, finding a location where I could do that uh, is kind of what I set out to do. And, and uh, Silver Lake Lounge is a, a great location in a very cool neighborhood in Los Angeles. Uh, a lot of great food. Uh, it itself is a great bar. Uh, and so it's an opportunity for us to do shows and hang out a little bit before and after and see friends. And uh, and that's kind of what started it. And we're just building off that, really, just right. me seeing my friends. Right. Have you ever done long-form improv at a dive bar? Oh, boy. You know, I I have, actually. Well, I guess I don't know if it's – when um, the Comedy Garage moved to uh, uh, a place in – yeah, Rafa's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for a little while there, they were experimenting to see if uh, they could do like some some stand up and some other stuff. And I brought a an improv team there, and right. we did a um, a relatively, I would say, poorly committed uh, improv <laughs> set. Uh, <laughs> really? For that audience in a literally underground speakeasy art gallery? Question mark. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the venue's fault at all. It was more just like us. We were so um, I I performed uh, all around the theaters and you know uh, right. in in L.A. But um, mostly I teach at the UCB, so that's kind of like where I perform the most at. So uh, that's very a comfortable space for us. And so a lot of us, um, and I've learned from doing this show too. There's some people who are kind of so comfortable in that system uh, mm-hmm. that uh, moving a new space is kind of like doing a whole type of new improv for them which right. is which is kind of fun but then there's people i've known who have you know done boom chicago over in amsterdam or came from new york or um even us in the early i say early but like you know 10 years ago indie improv days right where different venues would have different locations and you'd kind of each place would have its own feel and um i think like uh, there's a back room at like the copper kettle maybe that's the name of the bar or the copper um, still bar copper yep yeah that one yeah. Uh, i've done that before and then uh, did something once at the Virgil. And so like, I've done some bars, um, but uh, yeah, they all kind of have a little bit different vibe, which is kind of fun uh, right. compared to like the, the theater uh, setting where we all felt like gods and uh, throw that audience member out of here. How dare that, you know, like um, we're, right. we're artists here. We all, most of us went to <laughs> private colleges. And uh, uh, so so this, this feels a little bit more fun to me and I, I'm liking doing it. Uh, what you describe as fun, I I think some other improvisers would describe as a challenge. Uh, I mean, that being said, like you just say, like you you act like gods and you can throw somebody out at uh, at a bar like Silver Lake Lounge. People are allowed to come in and drink, um, and you can't really do anything about that. Yeah. And if they want to talk about the Bachelor loudly, that's yeah. something you have to put up with. So how do you deal with that? 
Well, uh, part of it is, is like we're figuring it out because uh, even like even like the lighting on the stage, like I just learned right before we shut down that I was like, oh, because like I'd show up sometimes and the lighting was mm -hmm. kind of like red and blue. And I'm like, oh, I feel like this wasn't it last week, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe I, I, what do I know? Uh, and right. then like I finally looked up last week. I was like, oh, I can change the color of those lights. You know, like I can, <laughs> I can, uh, you know, like uh, there's stuff that I can do that can that can change the setting and, and change the vibe of it. So um, as far as like talking in the back and, and I, I, I'll try to go to those people like, hey, you know, we have a outdoor patio in the back if you'd like to have this conversation feel free to go back there um but uh but yeah part of it is like you know it's up to the improv uh, team to if they want to inc incorporate that person in the same way uh, a stand-up could do you know like i think uh by and large were uh i was gonna say nicer but that's not probably true maybe more gentle people <laughs> improvisers. Uh, oh yeah you so want to unpack that more casey <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think like we're less we're less um uh conflict uh we're, we're more more conflict avoidant i think in the right. sense of like uh part of the whole thing is like to say yes and to like uh you mm -hmm. know uh work with a team and work with people so our, our our instinct is not to shine a light on and uh make fun of someone uh right. however um doing uh ucb you know i was doing it enough that i would sometimes do like the the midnight shows on mm -hmm. friday and saturday that right. some of them one of them i was was doing that which is called like it's a party or let's party. I think let's party, um, right. and it was just like the performers would just get drunk and hang out with each other. And so some of those like they were like we, it's exactly the same thing that sometimes happens over the Lake Lounge where it's just people having a good time, too drunk. And then like we, I learned one time I brought someone up on stage and kind of lost control and was like, okay, I can't do that. Uh, and then another time I was able to like uh, figure out a better way to make fun of an audience member, but not bring them on stage. And then also I'm still in control of it because I am. Uh, shining the light on that person and we're all laughing at that person, but that person was also probably too drunk to realize that we're laughing at them. Sure. Uh, uh, and then only later when they're told by the, whoever brought them that they, they hated that and it was embarrassing and then they'll figure it out. But uh, so there's ways to do it, uh, you know, sure. but, uh, but also it's a bar and that's what they're, they're there to sell drinks. Right. They, they like us, but right. they don't really care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. yeah. yeah. Um, have you found that like you've, had to like in adapting to that space which you know i think we could agree is atypical of for doing improv mm -hmm. um that you've had to change up how you do any sort of form or just improv at all you know yeah i mean well the, the interesting thing and i've listened to a couple of your podcasts recently and like people talk about um just coming back into it and like mm -hmm. how that already feels different right um and so i think uh, the conversation I've had with a lot of performers is like, it would feel different to us, even if we all started back at our home theaters. Right. Uh, but this feels more different, uh, because right. it's also, a, uh, we're slightly uncomfortable, and it's a space that we're not as comfortable in. Right. Um, so the thing I've kind of talked to about performers uh, that might be used to other spaces is like, front facing comedy mm -hmm. is helpful. Uh, because one, they're seeing you, but two, then they're also clearly hearing you. Whereas if you're turning side to side to have a conversation, uh, mm. the not only do they only see the side of your face, but uh, you yeah. know the 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 your voice is is going kind of to the walls where the people aren't at. Um, yeah. Some things like that. I've found that I, I like um, something I like doing even in the, in other places is like um, to use the space and use the stage in new ways. So like going out in the crowd is like a fun thing that always works. Yeah. Um, Showing them something new is something I always try to, if I can, at some point in the show, just like show the audience something maybe they haven't seen before. Right. Um, so this space is is wide open for that, and and um and it's also been interesting to see teams. Like I feel like some teams who were maybe more set up in the system 
who, who like ran through the UCB like Herald Night, um, mm-hmm. which was like they didn't really have to advertise to get people to their shows. It was mm-hmm. people are going to go every Monday, whether it was them or not, um, are now a little bit more uh less i guess they're a little less comfortable um mm-hmm. in a new thing and having to like, right. promote their show or even just being like you know i ask a team that has never performed at at ucb or west side or io or second city or wherever i'm like hey do you have a promo pick for your team and they're like yep and they have like five and then i'll <laughs> ask a team that had like a weekly slot you know fridays at 8 p.m on at ucb i'll be like hey do you have a, a promo pick of your team and they'll be like no <laughs> like uh, <laughs> people were just going to come to our show we didn't ever have to why would we why would we do any work um so all all that's been fun too just to kind of like figure out who's hustling who's who's excited by this um you know right. some people this isn't this isn't their theater and that's totally fine and and some people are loving it and, and being like hey can we come back here every week every month how can i how can i do this uh, so yeah. it's, it's cool that's awesome uh, and I, I am excited to see what comes of it if it becomes like, you know, it, it's interesting <laughs> that you mentioned like comfortability with the teams uh, a number of times. And that really makes me think stand standups just don't have standards. Sure. Right. We, yeah. we really don't. Who <laughs> will just do like, all right, telephone booth can like a person fit in there. Okay, yeah. sure. Yeah. Yes. Who books that? You know, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I started I, when I first moved to LA, I was doing stand up and mm-hmm. um, was was lucky enough to get in with the comedy garage guys, mostly because uh, I lived there. <laughs> that was like <laughs> a, good way to, a good way to get booked on a show that happens in a garage in your uh, back of your house is to live in the house. Right. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, we would often just like drive around and like if anyone had ever been to anywhere like hey this i went to this new laundromat oh yeah i think there's a spot for a stage and like we'd like ask you know we'd like try everything um and so i think part of the cool part of that that kind of maybe when you get funneled into a school system you know um i'm just keep using the example of ucb but io is right. the exact same and i think west side's pretty similar too of that like these right. places that teach classes mm-hmm. um when you go through these classes you're paying money so you kind of do like expect i guess a little something uh uh, you expect something equivalent to the amount of money you've put into it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas uh, uh, it's kind of fun to kind of be a little bit more to me of the Wild West and uh, and figure out like what you like about a space or don't like about a space and how to make it work. And mm-hmm. uh, and I've had a lot of fun doing that. That's that's great. That's really really great. Um, yeah, I I wonder if like some team that keeps coming back, it's I just keep imagining. And maybe wishful, wishfully thinking that they'll get really just punk rock with their improv and like they'll initiate off stage, sure. Or somebody will be a plant and that'll be a different form. Yeah, totally. I mean, I've I've thought of all those. I mean, I've I've definitely like uh, our first show we ever did. Um, uh, it was uh, July of um, last year, July eighteenth. It was our first show, and so it was like right in that sweet spot of like everyone being like. I got a vaccine, so that means I'm safe forever. Uh, let's get. <laughs> and so we got like, I think we we sold like 140 something like that tickets, 140, 150 something, uh, yeah. just cr- crammed in there. And uh, and Big Grande, uh, a great uh, improv group, they were the last group to perform, and they had seen that like um, it was a little hard to hear in the back uh, right. because there's so many people in there. So they did. Uh, a form that's basically like a town hall uh, mm-hmm. where just like one of them got up stage with a microphone uh, and then the other two grabbed two other microphones and were in the audience and we were just like asking questions like it was a city council meeting uh, oh, cool. and it was like one of their jobs to kind of run the city council meeting while the other two kept raising questions. <laughs> um, and uh, and that stuff is like that kills and it's open for that type of stuff. And I think, yeah, I think you'll 
as people get more comfortable um, in the space and are more you know acquainted with the space, I think you'll you'll see just more and more. And also with their own improv, I think everyone is kind of most people I talk to after they've done their first show, and we've been lucky to book most people's first shows back. Um, is they're like, I'd, I'd love to get on stage right now. <laughs> you know, right. I just did a show. <laughs> I would love to do a show right now because I'm starting to feel it. Um, right. And so I think you'll see more and more of that and and more different cool stuff uh, as time goes on. That's great. Well, hopefully the other two doesn't have Drew too busy so he could do the, another. Exactly. Yeah, we'll make sure. We'll make sure that they uh, they right. get him back <laughs> to, to doing indie improv in Los Yeah, yeah. You know, Super Ego does that a lot. They do a lot of improv that's like town hall ish, mm-hmm. which is whenever I've watched them, it's less yes and and more like hold my beer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna say something more insane than what you just said. Totally. Yeah. And I think some of that comes from like having a clear character point of view. And then it's like, I can funnel anything through that. Um, right. And also just other people's training and, and what they dig. Like uh, when, when, it, when you become friends like that team is uh, and are truly doing it because you're friends um, and in the same way, big grande, you know, started that team just because they were friends and wanting to make each other laugh. Then um, I think there's a lot more room to like fuck with each other. Um, right because there's so much love underneath that, that you can kind of just be like, all right, I'm going to be funny for a little while. Shut up, <laughs> you know, and take turns and, <laughs> and build off that. Uh, where some right. of these teams that are like put together uh, through schools or places, then it's like, you have to build towards that. Uh, right. And then after hopefully a few years, you have that, that trust and love and then can kind of mess with each other in a fun way. Right. Is that part of why improv is so incestuous? <laughs> what do you mean by incestuous? I mean, like there, there is like a, I think, high bar of love and trust that comes with improv. And I do feel like it's sort of a, just, <laughs> shall I say, time-honored tradition that if you start in an improv and you really like move up the ranks that you'll end up dating another improviser, if not a few. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think so. I mean, I think part of it is like um, most, and I think that we're trying to get better at this, but most improvisers. Mm-hmm are like in their 20s and 30s. Um, And so typically that's a time when people start like trying to find the one or people or dating or (laughs) and so uh, if if you already have this shared interest and are gonna be at the same places all the time, uh, I think there's a ton of crossover for that. Uh, In the same sense, I think if it was like, you know, I think you'd see that in different like scenes of like, you know, the the East side stand-up scene, I I guess is uh, from knowing a lot of those people that uh, they eventually dated each other and or got married to each other. And so uh, right. I think it's like that same type of thing of like, oh, it's these same, you know, 400 people uh, right. are going to be everywhere you go. Uh, and they also like comedy and they also, you know, like right. doing what you do. So, um, right. yeah, I guess I, I see that. Yeah. I also I, when certain people do hair or certain teams do heralds and they kind of just like, you know, talk about whatever comes to mind off a suggestion that does feel like speed dating a little bit. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We do. We, my team often does that for holy shit where, uh, we'll just like do, uh, a, a, like a, get a suggestion and talk for a little bit. And, and I tend to do that for this show because we're often the first team that performs. Um, and it is a little, it is a little way to like, uh, have the audience get to know you. Um, mm-hmm. uh, because I feel like comedy is like, you laugh at people that you like, you know, mm-hmm. like you, you often, even if it's, even if like, you know, the, um, 
Danny McBride or Will Ferrell like being assholes. We're still laughing at them because like ultimately uh, they're they hate themselves so much, or at least we assume those characters hate themselves so much that we're laughing right. at like. Uh, and so like we we connect to that person. And and I also remember talking to um, Ian Roberts once about the UCB TV show, and he was talking about that maybe a mistake they made was like playing characters. Uh, mm -hmm. He's like we had Amy Poehler, who's like one of the most likable, joyous people in the world, and we had her playing you know like this. Uh, you know, weird uh, character uh, who didn't get to show her personality and maybe our show would have lasted longer if we just like talked to the audience. And so then when he did, um, uh, when he ran or uh, whatever he was, showrunner for Key and Peele, uh, he was like making sure that they had those conversations as themselves to audience mm -hmm. so as to like uh, speed date or, you know, let the audience know like, hey, here's who we are. Do you like that? All right, well then now we're going to be someone different and maybe you'll still dig us, you know? Right. Kind of and a reminder that Keegan Michael Key is a classically trained actor. <laughs> yes, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. And and those guys can you know perform and turn it on for anything. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I definitely want to hear more uh, about Holy Shit Improv, the world of improv, everything you're up to. But how about some comedy news first? No. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Fine. The end of the podcast. Uh, okay. For first on the dock, Aziz Ansari today announces that he will be having a new Netflix special called Nightclub Comedian. Uh, it's his first special in years. Uh, I mean, he, like so many other headlining comedians, I, I want to say like seven, eight years ago, we're kind of taking after uh, disgraced comedian Louis C.K. and doing a special every year mm -hmm. uh, and then trying to release it on their own. And um yeah, I, I'm kind of thankful that that went away. But uh, Aziz was like, uh, he was on that train. And, and then uh, as Me Too really took hold, um, he, uh, you know, he got caught up in that off of the that bad date story. Yeah. Um, you know, on was it babe.net. And he issued... He did like his last special was at a whole, uh, I think, a, a very manufactured apology, an apology nonetheless. But yeah, yeah, I mean, he wore a Metallica t shirt, which he never does. <laughs> I know. I always think it's so, like, I'm interested in like how much money, and, and maybe the answer is none, but just I doubt it from being on the side of making things for television, like to like how much money and research was put into being like, all right, well, it's his wardrobe. You know, yeah. what's it going to look like? How's it right. going to be? How's it going to? Um, uh, yeah. But but yeah, he did. He did talk about it, as I as I recall. Right. Um, and it was shot at a weird angle that like, you see backstage and it was directed by Spike Jones, as opposed yeah. to a lot of Aziz's other specials where he's in a suit that costs more than all of our rent. And uh, he's very, very hyped to be there. It's almost like he was he's uh, still coming off of being his character, Randy. And Judd Apatow's funny people. Yeah. Uh, but what do you think of the, the, this title, a nightclub comedian? Because I, I do think that there's something. I know Chappelle's talked a little bit about that too, of like his stuff is kind of like, you know, the, and maybe the problem that some, some of the trouble Chappelle 
is in and gets in is that like he at least from what i've heard him say like thinks of himself as like a guy in a dark room in the back at 1 a.m on a wednesday saying right. stuff but then it's like but then he's given the audience of you know netflix which is worldwide but uh do you think that's this nightclub uh nightclub comedian is that kind of like a, a statement as to like setting us up for what type of material it is or is it just kind of saying like you know a little bit the same way as wearing a metallica t-shirt or maybe we're putting <laughs> too much thought into just the title of his thing but right i mean it is cure i mean to call i mean th there is conscious um thought i would hope uh put into like the names of specials and albums and whatnot certainly netflix didn't really think about it when they call stuff the comedy lineup or mm -hmm. the stand-ups right which the i characters or the stand-ups yeah yeah i thoroughly hate and i don't care if it's easier to translate into all the languages where netflix is available it sounds dumb yeah. but um no, nightclub comedian, I do think that is sort of like maybe not so much in the vein of like a Metallica t-shirt, but I feel like, you know, when you think of all the stand-up diseases done or even like him coming from Master of None, you don't think of him as like a nightclub guy as a performer. I mean, you think of him like you think of when you see when you walked into UCB Franklin and saw his picture by Ron Von Swank and he's just kind of like this cool hip guy playing all these underground venues and these all alt venues um, versus like Aziz playing the store or the comedy cellar, mm -hmm. even though he kind of graduated to like always wearing a suit, which is, you know, kind of a rarity these days. And um, like, even how, what he would talk about, like, I, I want, I, yeah, I'd be curious as to what is, ahead i mean yeah. ironically before he got uh, like his that that big that net story i mean he released a whole book about relationships yeah when i saw him at ucb he was always work he was always talking about dating and working on a thing with dating he'd always come in he'd drop into a lot of shows and do stuff about like texting and, and different mm -hmm. like ask questions of the audience and like kind of try uh it was really in that world of dating and then yeah i'm sure that uh <laughs> having a uh a, a date with someone where the other person felt uncomfortable and, and you thought it was consensual probably makes you jump out of that realm and <laughs> try to right. find something else, I guess, right. to talk about. Um, I wonder if it's even going to be a sort of a, a subverting of the idea of like a nightclub comedian. Like who do you like, who would you even think like, what are the names that jump to mind when you think of like nightclub comedian, which seems semi redundant? Yeah, I guess like that's what's that's what's interesting to me is like, um, like, are we thinking because I almost think of like, I don't know if I think of like the the current laugh uh, factory and the store and mm -hmm. uh, the improv as nightclubs. I mean, right. I, I guess I almost think of that as a different thing than what I might think of like, like when I when you said nightclub comedian, my thought was like a lot of people from like the 80s was kind of right, right, right. in my head. Yeah. Um, uh, like like, yeah that like truly that was like one of the first names that like popped into my head and so um i'm interested in that and then also you talked about um the the directing of his last special and that's something that i've i've recently um kind of got into is like watching uh, how these uh, some of these stand specials are directed mm -hmm. um uh, in large part the the two that really popped out to me was i think uh, gerard carmichael had two like basically in the same year ish mm -hmm. i think like one that spike lee did right uh, at the store and then one that Bo Burnham he, directed. Yeah. 
and um and they were so different to me uh, mm-hmm. and, and and showcased him in such a different way that i i was the first time i ever kind of realized like oh wow like um and i and and then from that point i then uh, not to blow the, the lid on which one i liked better but uh right. bo burnham then i started being like wow i really like the way he directs stuff including you know then watching eighth grade and uh and going right. back and seeing some of his other work that i hadn't seen but um uh, but I, I'm very interested in in that as being like, oh, that's a new thing that maybe comedians are starting to look at, not just like the, you know, uh, we're used to the Comedy Central 30 minute uh, premium blend or whatever, right. where it's like, you know, have our have our big crane shot come over yeah. as we come out the crowd, uh, like just that simple choice of uh, the one uh, where it just like started when he was already on stage and there was no mm-hmm. laughter and it, they didn't announce his name and it's like the special starts and I was like, wow, that's that's already such a cool choice that I really. Uh, I mean, I'm interested in seeing more people do stuff like that. Yeah, same here. I mean, like, you know, I don't think classical stand-up will ever go away. And I think people writing very good, solid, structured jokes is will always work. But it is um, exciting to see anybody try anything different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also like to have a point of view, like, again, the, we're talking about the conversations behind the scenes of like a Metallica right. t-shirt or right. Netflix late, calling it the standups or whatever, right. Right. but to like have those same conversations about uh, an act or a 40 minutes or an hour or 30 minutes, I think is, is interesting. Right. Right. Um, I mean, I don't have any insider information on this, uh, but I wonder if Aziz like played like, you know, actual nightclubs in trying mm-hmm. to develop this if that was part of it at all thinking like like what would i even think of as like a nightclub in la um <laughs> we're so out of it we're such we're such like comedy guys that were like oh, what, oh what's a nightclub meanwhile like i talked to guys who are like our you know business hedge fund managers or whatever they're like i can name you 30 nightclubs in la right 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 i mean it's like a place that you know i think generally what you'd have to have like a reservation to get in right by a bottle or a table or a... right right uh you know carrying a vanity cane helps in getting into those places uh which i do on occasion so yeah maybe like no vacancy there's yeah. like there is a whole there i mean it's one group that owns all these bars but there's like a whole like gaggle of bars in LA that are have all these um entrances that aren't actual doors yeah Davy like Wayne's a, and yeah yep. Davy Wayne's no vacancy um Porvu uh I think a lot of Descarga is another one uh Davy Wayne's you have to go to a through a fridge door mm-hmm. um no vacancy is interesting because they make it seem like you're going to this like uh you know uh, like, uh, what do we even call this now? I was about to say whorehouse. Yeah, like but, a house. Yeah, like a like as, an old, as, old Victorian. Is that the right? Yeah, yeah, no, like a, yeah, Victorian house for a women of the night. Uh, you know, yeah. that's way longer, but sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then there's like you go to spoiler the third door and uh there's just a woman whose whole job is just to sit there in a negligee all night and just like explain three rules and then she presses a button and then it unveils a secret staircase Hmm. um 
that I think that's like a gig that only that's like one of those only in LA or only in New York jobs. Like that's your whole job <laughs> yeah, for the exactly. entire, you're not allowed to do anything else. Yeah, you could try to start one of those in like, uh, you know, a small town, Ohio, but it's probably <laughs> not, you're not going to work very long. No, 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 <laughs> no. So look uh, for that in Aziz's new, uh, new stand-up special. Look for the, the door opening in a weird way. That's what, that's our take on it. Yeah. Yeah. January 25th is when nightclub comedian will stream. I'm sure it'll spark some, somebody to write something. I wonder if he'll perhaps, uh, you know, do a better job than CK and apologizing, even though CK did way more than Aziz did as yes. of what we know currently, uh, this past weekend, uh, Bob Saget passed away, uh, sadly, at the age of 66, um, apparently from natural causes, as far as we know right now, which I still maintain. Let's have a better explanation of what that is. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, uh, just so beloved uh, yeah. you know, from, from turning on the internet in any direction. And um, and, and I listened to because um, uh, WTF does like after someone passes that he's talked to, they like release those episodes. And, mm -hmm. uh, he did talk a lot in there. Like he had had, uh, like his, both of his sisters died. Some mm -hmm. one from a disease that he raised a lot of money from another one from, yeah. another one from something else in her like fifties. Mm -hmm. And, um, so yeah, God it might be a family with, a predisposition to something that's uh, it's brutal, but yeah, that, that, mm -hmm. uh, um, Seemed uh seemed like truly was uh very supportive of comedians loved comedy very nice and right. it is uh it is always nice when someone um uh makes a ton of money and then uh like I guess loves the thing enough to like keep coming back to it to try it you know or stick in it and right uh, and isn't an asshole about it right yeah if anything is like encouraging to people which I think right. is uh. You know, it's always it's always weird, uh, but there's some people that like are obvious. Like when you're that famous, uh, being encouraging, I think is 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 so helpful because sometimes all you need is just like a little, mm -hmm. just the littlest of things to you know keep yeah. f following your passion. So if someone uh, tells you that they think you were funny or that you were good, that that goes a long way, especially when it's someone like Bob Saget. Right. I mean, like, I you know you probably had somebody that you looked up to tell you that and to them it was just probably a tiny thing and they wouldn't even remember but you will never ever forget where you were what day it was what yeah. you were wearing yeah i truly i one time had uh when I, when I was when i was um taking classes at ucb i had like uh one of my teachers hit me up to see if i wanted to like have if I was staying in town for Thanksgiving, I wanted to have Thanksgiving mm -hmm. with them and another friend who was another teacher, and and like, and they're like, yeah, we were just talking about people, and we both thought like, well, we'll ask you, it'd be fun. And the fact that they were talking about me in their lives was like, I'm on the right track. Like two people <laughs> that I think are are so funny were like having a conversation about me, and not like because they were getting paid or had to. They were just like right. actually talking about. Um, so yeah, it is such a, a such a small thing. Um, uh, and yeah, and another another one I have who's not a famous person, but my dad is a, a Midwestern father who um, doesn't know how to uh, communicate. <laughs> oh, no, he's 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 great, but he's very he's very uh, you know by the books and unemotional. And uh, he he saw me in a play, and I was like, so what do you think? And to to be fair to him, it was a pretty bad play. It was like. Um, uh, a, a Minnesota's like sixty kids who had all learned how to tap dance within the last like 
eight weeks and we're doing a tap dancing musical. Uh, so it, there was a lot to not enjoy about it. But he was like his his feedback. He's like, well, he's like, you know, uh, I, I'll, you know, I always like everything you do. He's like, but when I when I when I look around and see other people when you come up on stage, he's like, other people's eyes light up and are excited when you come on stage. So uh, that must mean you're onto something. And I was like, that was his way of being like. Um, you're good. <laughs> you know? and I was like, ah, I'll take right. that through, through right. other people. All right, I'll take it. Yeah, sure, sure. Way to tap dance around saying you're good. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. And also probably being like, yeah, that play was not a good two and a half hours of my time, but right. you were right. kind of good in it. At least uh, everyone else <laughs> lit up when you got back on stage because I didn't have to watch a group of 60 kids who had just learned to tap dance a few weeks ago try to do a number together. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It uh, it is a weird collective sort of temporary hostage situation, ch children's theater. Yeah, yeah, it's like a pay to play. It's a little bit like the Haha -ha Cafe. Um, yeah. Although I haven't been there uh, in twelve years, so maybe it's different. I don't know. Yeah, same. Uh, the one and only time I've ever been there, uh, a friend drag. I think it was my first month of doing stand up. Yeah. And I walked in and, uh, and uh, I'll say a portly black gentleman had his shirt off and was eating fried chicken to raucous applause. And I was like, I fucking hate this place. Wow. Wow. That's just like, that's your best bit. So you got to do it every single time. Like that's, you, you got to close with it. You got to. So, oh, which man. means you have to get fried chicken before every show. Yes. You're definitely losing money every time you perform. <laughs> Yeah, but I guess I guess that's probably just like your meal for that day. So right, unless I don't know, would you work out a deal with something like Church's Chicken or whatever? Like, all right, get the branded bucket. I'll right. make sure yeah. it's in the light. Yeah, <laughs> I'll pass out. I'll pass out coupons afterwards. Yeah, uh, <laughs> as if uh, doing stand up wasn't demeaning enough. Um, yeah. <laughs> passing out coupons, not even for your um, shows, but yeah chicken um did you were you a fan of full house at all america's funniest home videos perhaps uh bob's a very very uh dirty stand-up yeah i mean a little bit everything was kind of in the in the zeitgeist of my childhood i wasn't like a huge full house right kid um i uh if anything i probably responded to dave coulier because he was you know a little bit more the making funny voices and uh yeah. cartoons and all that stuff but um america's funny film videos absolutely that had everybody at all mm -hmm. times i mean that was youtube before there was youtube so uh right. hard not to hard not to do that but uh my my parents used to let us rent um hbo for the month that comics relief comic relief um, uh -huh. would would always happen we'd like that we get right. to buy the t-shirt and we watch comic relief and um and i remember seeing bob saget on there and um uh yeah the first time i realized like oh yeah like you know actors are different than the uh, characters they play on television right. like right. uh he is in fact if anything it felt like and then i've i've later heard from him through interviews and stuff that like that was not the case but it felt like a reaction to the the character he played on full house right uh, but he was like he was like no i've always been this uh crass and it's like a, a th it sounded like jokes that his dad used to tell were pretty similar and um right uh so yeah i guess i mean i i also went to a theater in minneapolis to watch the um uh what's the documentary where uh they all tell the same joke the um oh the aristocrats the aristocrats um yeah. i remember that being and so i think i maybe even bought the dvd because i was a big into comedy at that time so uh, it right. definitely has been in my life the whole the whole time just right. um yeah it was not a full house stan as the kids yeah. say yeah that's okay 
I wasn't either, and uh, definitely the reboot of with Fuller House. Ugh. I don't know if I even made it through the pilot, but mm. that's not for me, I guess. Um, right. It is a tiny story. I wrote about this because uh, I felt like enough people had posted about like all his great exploits. You know, it's it's a tiny story, but like we're saying, you know, sometimes the tiniest things from the biggest people mean a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been roped into doing a bringer show right when I started comedy. I didn't know that that was uh, not a thing you need to do. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, you know, arguably worse than an open mic because you are given the expectation of a book show, but it's just as many people as an open mic and the audience is being held hostage if there are any. Right. Yeah. And then, yeah, you're, you're um, sort of get the idea that you're bringing people for stage time is normalized, which it shouldn't be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But so uh, I didn't, I wasn't aware that there were going to be like over 20 comics on the lineup in the belly room. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though there were, you know, that if you try to do sort of producer math of like, Oh, it's 20 comics doing three minutes. Let's listen an hour. It'll be over two hours. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and uh, audience will be tired after comic 11, um, just like that many people coming on and off stage. But uh, Bob uh, was just hanging out the store as comics of his stature want to do, and uh, they had him drop in. He could have like bumped a bunch of people off the show, but he just did like, I think like five minutes. Yeah. And he was very kind to all of us, even though we're all newbies and he didn't have to be nicer guy and it was the story really isn't much more than that but like in so many instances uh not meeting your heroes is the operative way to go with comedians right but um not even saying that he's a hero of mine but it was just nice to have that um grazing with like somebody that famous and they were they were just kind yeah, and I think that's like to bring it back to improv a little bit. The big thing mm-hmm. we teach is like, if that's true, what else is true? And mm-hmm. like, you think about that with him. Like, if yeah. that is true, what else is like? That's a moment of his life, but it sounds like his life was filled with those types of moments of like not big time in anybody, being gracious, being mm-hmm. kind. Like right. uh, even even those small moments, you just stack them on top of each other, and it's like that's a that's a life well lived, and a, uh, a guy that w- makes sense why so many people are. Um, you know, showing him so much love uh, now that he's passed. Right. Have you gotten that experience in improv before? Like you've been on a team with like, I don't know, your improv idols and you're like, and they were like just super sweet. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, I think I've, I've uh, from watching and doing improv with great people. Um, I, there's a couple I, we had Robin Williams would, would hang around a little bit and, and jump on shows uh and um and he was like uh you know there's so many different ways to play a green room before an improv show like there is like the i'm a pro i'm so cool we'll just talk and then we'll go up on stage and crush it and um but he was much more of the like nervous like can we practice what let's let's talk what, what let's rehearse what do you what kind of form do you do uh we do this form do you know what no i don't but let's do it like let's you know and was like down to do like those silly improv warm-ups that uh, most people uh, just avoid because it makes you not look cool but it, it might help <laughs> you uh, actually as a team to like uh, find agreement um uh-huh. And then uh, another one that comes to me is uh, I did a, a show with Patrick Stewart and, um, uh, you know, he had done um, 
uh, improvised Shakespeare before, but other than that, I think he'd never done anything. So like, it was asking us a couple of questions in the green room, kind of trying to figure it out. Um, and this show, we started with the group scene and uh, and then we'd do two person scenes and end with the group scene. And uh, and usually uh, we, it would be three of us who improvise all the time. And then we'd get like three kind of like uh, actors who work regularly in film and television, uh, more more names. And uh, And typically that first scene, we would kind of like, those of us that do it would lead the charge and they'd kind of figure it out once they got in that two person scene. And then in the gr last group scene, everyone would be really comfortable. Um, right. But when the lights came up for our first group scene, he made the first choice. Mm -hmm. um, and I just thought that was such like a, uh, a, a, a ballsy choice, but also like such like, of course, that's why people are the way they are in some ways is like, and he's also well aware probably that like, people are here looking at me, you know, they're not coming, <laughs> they're not coming to watch how Casey Faye, how he's doing. And so it's like, I, I'm not going to like hide in this scene. I'm going to like establish right. this scene. Um, right. and, uh, and, and from teaching some people who have, who are, you know, famous, uh, you see, you do see that like, Oh, I often wonder like, are they famous because this is their energy and they have that like, yes, right. and attack it and, and no fear and, 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 and make these choices without worried about how it's going to look. Uh, mm -hmm. Or is that uh, an aspect that's come from then being famous? And, and I don't right. know. Right. I... Yeah. I, I think it, at a certain point it be kind of, kind of becomes, uh, you know, a little cloudy to determine which it, is one and i mean fame is such an ephemeral thing anyway mm -hmm. i what what was the choice that he made do you remember um well i just like it, i like the suggestion i think we asked for like a location or something and it was like a factory and so we all kind of just like the lights go down and we all like pick spots mm -hmm. um and everyone was just kind of like working for like a little bit and no one like verbalizing anything we we're all just kind of like figuring out the space of the factory or uh, and my recollection is 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 something something to the effect of like uh I can't hear any of you or like uh, no one's talking or just like something about like establishing that it was like right. loud in here and, and right. no one was making a vocal choice yet. Right, right. Uh, and it was like, oh, we're starting. To, yeah, just like it was truly just like it wasn't like the, a brilliant choice. It was just the first choice right. um, in, in a tentative uh, few seconds that I was like, right. oh, he could have easily just been tentative like the rest of us. Right. I do like when people start with their first choice being heightened. Mm -hmm. instead of just like oh this seems to like be easing into a conversation mm -hmm. yeah uh, it's like a good good writing is like to start in the start right in the middle of it or right after the thing you know like yeah, yeah. If, if if improv is at its best it's like a play or like a, a tv show or a scene in a movie where it's like oh if the interesting thing happens at the breakfast table we don't show you waking up and getting dressed and we like start at the breakfast table right after right you know right. so I, I i agree with that uh, but it's it's obviously easier especially if you don't do those warm-ups backstage yeah. it's easier yeah. to just slowly talk to and find something in a little bit right right well uh you know Patrick Sir Patrick Stewart is not dead thank goodness but uh mm -hmm. may Pomp Sackett rest in peace uh next news story uh David Spade and Dana Carvey both SNL alums are joined together to uh start a retrospective podcast on SNL called Fly on the Wall um I think it, it has been fascinating over the last, I would say, decade, the sort of uh, rise in interest in comedy history and process. Um, and it seems like every single corner of it is being explored now, especially with, you know, 
lockdown kind of making new comedy a little harder to do like oh let's just keep looking back at whatever you know um it's interesting that it's spade and carvey i mean you know maybe (laughs) like they were the only people available i don't know but Um, uh, i guess it's probably a management team put that together there, sure. Uh, as my as my thinking, there was some Laura Michaels needed approval, and then they mm-hmm. uh, they're like, all right, well, and I'm sure they just had examples of because that seems like the thing that they're doing now, right? Like right. The Office or Veep or uh, whatever. It's like let's look right. back on those episodes and talk about them, and uh, maybe those guys are best pals. But my thinking is someone probably crunched some numbers and mm-hmm. uh, figured out who has a what demographic this person and that person and put them together. And right, um, right. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, that's that's interesting. You're right. I like. As a kid, I just thought everyone liked comedy so much, which is why I was a little late to even pursue it because I was just, like, oh, this is something. Mm-hmm. Doesn't everybody like, you know, tape every episode of Saturday Night Live and The Simpsons or whatever it was uh-huh. when I was a kid, right? Uh, and then realized eventually, like, oh no, not everyone does. Um, and so now that seemingly everyone does ingest all this stuff, I wonder if it would have been even harder for me to ever uh, realize that to follow this passion because it just feels like there is Mm. so much Uh, the looking back is a little tough and part of this i will absolutely admit is because um i uh, had a pilot that uh got killed because of covid but also because the company uh for the branded stuff is only making titles that uh have already been like rebooting you know like Mm. old uh viacom titles um and so like (laughs) you can't sell them anything new but you can sell them like um perfect strangers with different people or whatever um uh, <laughs> night, i think night court is the one they might be doing right now but um yeah. uh but yeah so it is interesting to be like remember this classic episode of saturday night live but i guess that's fun if they got like if they got right. like sandler and mm-hmm. tim meadows on to talk about you know uh the hurley boy <laughs> like uh mm-hmm. lawn service like that i guess that that'd be fun like yeah get john lovitz on to talk about you know the him and tom hanks doing their i mean yeah right i mean i would like to hear like about um you know andy kaufman like fighting somebody in a sketch because he thought the sketch was too boring sure yeah (laughs) or i mean um i didn't even know this until relatively recently um but like daryl hammond being like so mentally unstable that he would like do a sketch and then be put in a straitjacket after wow yeah. yeah yeah my guess is those probably aren't the stories they're digging into well maybe <laughs> i guess if david spade is down to, to get a little bit into that nitty-gritty maybe then right um dana carvey but um yeah i wonder if it just like that was so much fun wasn't this yeah. fun? <laughs> <laughs> how much fun was it who's your favorite yeah. guest all of them they were all great yeah 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 uh, I'll be I'll be curious to hear. I mean, uh, S- when comedy history comes up, SNL is always sort of like a big um, focal point. Um, mm-hmm. Whether it's just talking about sketch comedy history or comedy history in general, and I feel like, I mean, uh, yeah, I'd be wonder. I, I'd be curious to if there's anything new that they w- hasn't been really discussed or uncovered because I feel like there have been books, there have been documentaries. Yeah. Um, that every cast member has come up with their own impression of Lorne. Yeah. Yeah. You know? so is he going to uh, hand that show off anytime soon and or uh, end up in our RIP segment? With, <laughs> with yeah. He um, he commented a few weeks ago that he, uh, in the next couple of years, it might be a good time for him to leave. I think that's, mm. 
that isn't, of course, any sort of official statement. But... Right. Yeah. That's like Jay Leno being like, yeah, eventually I'd like to give it up. No, I don't want to give it up. Um, yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't know him at all, uh, right. but I, I, it would be interesting if obviously he's going to get to choose his replacement. It would right. be very interesting if he didn't, um, because I could see that show going so many different ways. Um, mm -hmm. Some some really cool and, and some, you know, more just like keep doing exactly what they're doing. But right. um, uh, it would be interesting to see what happens because like mm -hmm. is live even cool anymore do you, right. you know like... right no i mean people seem to respond to the digital shorts more than the live sketches and any of the live sketches that seem to get any play is like all right people will keep breaking or there's like an animal in the scene mm -hmm. i'm sure performers love it though i mean fear it but that's also what gives them the the juice to keep doing it is like to have that live experience of like a show and and i get that from doing sketch and stuff it is like crazy to like think you kind of have something but don't fully have it and let's go do it in front of an audience and see what it's like and right. um but yeah i think i think i don't know just be interesting to see just with that time slot and great talent like how many of those conventions they could reimagine or break or try right. new things and see see what see what that happens yeah i would just like it to be less predictable where like you know every episode of snl is going to have like a, you could you could I would say 90% guess what the cold open is going to be mm -hmm. like based off of the biggest news story of the week. Yeah. And I think they've had that same guy, write The, a lot of those political ones for like years and years and years and years. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's always going to be a classroom sketch. There's always going to be a local news sketch. There's always going to be a game show sketch, a talk show sketch. And it's, it should for as something is heralded as it originally was for being subversive. It's so formulaic now. Yeah, some of that though, cause I've, I've submitted packets for that, like writing packets. And some of that is like the, um, in order to get a topical idea in, there's like only so many different setups you can do. You know, like um, uh, like I, I was, I for my most recent packet, I think I pitched like a, um, uh, it was around the time when Jeff Bezos went to space. And so like I did like a Kyle Mooney playing Jeff Bezos so as like a Jeff Bezos talk show and you put it in a talk show so that you can have these like um, other elements that you can hit that are jokes of like bringing, like my whole thing was like, he was basically going to space just cause he was like, it was the ultimate like Vegas guys trip trying to get over his, his divorce. And right. so like uh, to bring on his, his ex-wife who's now given all this money to charity or to bring on like an Amazon employee who was like pissing in bottles uh, right. while he worked. Like a, a setup for that is uh, a, a talk show, you know, in the same way that like, I think game show happens a lot too. It's like, oh, it's a, it's a format that most people get. So I don't have to spend the first six or seven lines of a sketch explaining why anyone's watching this and where it is. And, you right. know, it's like, I can jump right into it. So some of that's tough just based on the, the way that they're trying to do topical comedy. Sure. Um, uh, as opposed to like those last one or two sketches of the night that they're like, this can be anything. It can be weird. Um, right. And then you don't even like, cause I think of like living color and like a lot of that stuff, it's still like, it's either, you know, um, fire marshal Bill, I guess is like coming to talk to a school or, right. you know, um, the, the movie reviewers, it's like a talk show. Um, right. Like those, those conventions just help because the buy-in and then it's easier to explain what's funny about the thing. I get that, but I would say that a lot of the sketches that have the most staying power are evergreen. Like they're not really like referencing some uh, like specific like topics. Like you know, in the most, I mean, like you know, um, 
Uh, what was that first SNL digital short from Lonely Island? Uh, oh, yeah. Chronicles of Narnia uh, rap or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something Tuesday. Yep. Yeah, Tell yeah. Me, or, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that had nothing lazy to do Sunday, with... Lazy Sunday, Lazy Sunday. Lazy Sunday, Lazy Sunday. We got, Sunday. It. We got yeah, it. Yeah, I, I get it screwed up with the Office parody of it. <laughs> right. Um, But, like, I mean, that really had nothing to do with anything. Right, yeah. You, you know? Yeah. And, Dick in the Box had nothing to do with anything, really. Um, David S. Pumpkins, which I, I have my own reservations about, but is right. it endures. Right. But that is that is like a that's a Halloween episode. And it's like it's a, a funhouse uh, setup of like, hey, everyone, I'm going to show you this thing, you know, kind of like a ride or like a is another convention that they play with, I think, in some of those things. But, yeah, I think if they change the thing where it's like, hey, we don't have to do topical comedy, we just have to do, you know, funny sketches then that would be a huge shift but like if you're gonna maintain that you are like a topical comedy show then mm. i think that's why the, you find those formulas uh so much but but yeah right. I'd, be, I'd be very interested in like yeah like you know yeah lauren michaels also pro also produced kids in the hall which was like none of those sketches ever had to do with anything in the news whatsoever um and i think just using the same cast and the same writers you have would be right. you'd have a completely different show right I would be interested in seeing if if you wanted to keep the topical part, just having stand-ups do stand-up, not even like weekend update, like ditch the mm. the news desk and suits and just they have them do topical jokes mm. and then have them do it really like stand-up where it's not like monologue jokes, but yeah, however they want to do it. And then have sketches in between. Here we go. Jake's submitting his uh, application. Uh, <laughs> sure. Oh yeah. I'll, I'm, if if people want me to be the new Lauren Michaels, I'm more than happy to do so. Good. Cool of you. Thank you for uh, giving the service to the people. Sure. 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 Do you have any uh, specific ideas of what you would like to see out of a future SNL? I mean, I would be of just like the absolutely reimagine it uh, type thing where it's just mm -hmm. like, um, yeah, like let's try a bunch of different stuff and then, you know, maybe we get canceled, but then who, you know, we can say we did it for this many years and I was the one who ruined it. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's fine. Yeah, truly, I would just, you know, kind of rethink everything. If they want that one political thing, I'd probably just open, sure, keep it still open and then, um, and keep the convention, I guess, of like the host doing his monologue or her monologue and right. some music in there. And then other than that, like just, I would, yeah, I would probably pull away from topical stuff just because I think, um, when they started it, uh, there wasn't as much constant jokes and we've all seen it, everything, you know, Twitter and Instagram and TikTok, and, uh, they didn't have any of that. So it was like, Oh, they're making a statement. Uh, midnight on a Saturday was a big deal. And now it's like, I've kind of probably heard this joke or this thing. In fact, I think that'd be tough to write for weekend update now. Like I'm sure they have to probably like Google search Twitter just to make sure that their jokes aren't already used too much. Um, so right. uh, yeah, I'd probably just like, let, let's let these creative fun people be fully creative and fun. And I would, I would do way more um, pre-tape stuff uh, just yeah. cause those, the the directors that they have working for them and the production managers the everything the costumes the uh they can do so much and i think those if we are trying to like if it's a matter of like getting hits and getting views those things will live on i think uh, a lot more um so i guess that's what i do is kind of just keep right. the first 15 minutes the same and then everything else open it up yeah sounds good We're gonna well do. you know uh snl will be different from now on <laughs> Uh, we'll see, but you know, um, 
the fly on the wall will be uh, coming shortly, and you can hear Spade and Carvey talk about it, uh, old SNL, every episode. One last news story before we get back to uh, what's going on with you, Casey. Um, the Goldbergs, which have been sort of rocked uh, because uh, Jeff Garland has uh, been very aggressively kicked off the show due to uh, harassment complaints. And um, it, so- it sounds like he just yelled a lot in a way that people weren't comfortable with on set. And who they were, who he was yelling at. It's a yeah, bunch yeah. of yelling Women. down. Yeah. And uh, him sort of claiming like, oh, that's just how I am. Eh, you know, I, I'm kind of glad that like even that workplace safety in entertainment has got to this where like, okay, maybe they're not like physically harming anybody, but you know, they're creating this sort of like culture of fear and tension. And that's yeah. also not good. And now we're getting rid of those people. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, there's that thing of, like, I always heard, in order to, like, have a long career, you have to do two of three things. You have to, like, be nice, you have to be good at your job, or you have to show up on time. Right. If you can do two of those three, you can probably survive. Um, But if it starts, you you start dropping down to one, then it's like your career is is over because why why hire someone who isn't good at their job and isn't nice to people? Or why hire someone who isn't, you know? So, um, yeah, I think, think, you know, uh, I think it's better than it used to be where it's, like, Sometimes you'd be like, wow, why did that, why did that woman's career just like never happen again? It's like, oh, it's because, you know, she wouldn't sleep with someone. So they stopped giving her jobs or like, oh, she was sick of, you know, all the shitty parts she was getting. And now it's like, uh, oh, why isn't blah, blah, blah's career happening? Oh, I heard he was kind of an asshole. Oh, that's a fair enough reason to not give someone a bunch of money. Like you have to realize something that I've, you know, been like when I'm going out and pitching something or auditioning for something like, especially with pitching, like you're competing with everyone who's mm-hmm. at like ever, you know, like you look at like everyone who's talking about Saturday Live, everyone who's been on Saturday Live is pitching something <laughs> like mm-hmm. ever, you know, yeah. like, uh, so, uh, there's a lot of reasons to say no to people. So you have to give people reasons to say yes. And like, if you're kind of not fun to be around, then I think it's fair for people to be like, Hey, uh, we're all doing good. We're all, this community kind of works without you. Right. Uh, we don't need it. So. Um, and he's got his own things going, so he probably doesn't need Goldberg. So I'm sure he would love to keep getting that money, but he's made a ton of money off it. And um, I'm sure at some point, 10 years from now, they'll do a uh, a look back or maybe two years, a look back on the episodes and they'll they'll hug and it'll be all right. But for now, let let the show let the show move forward and let him yeah. go do curb and every everyone will be fine. Yeah, yeah. And so with that in mind, it was just announced that the Goldbergs will get four more episodes that will not be featuring Jeff, of course. Um, and we'll see how that goes. I mean, that's sort of an interesting uh, time that we're in. And, you know, the world, I mean, like the Goldbergs isn't a multi-camp sitcom, but it feels like it very well could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, you like to think that like, the inner workings of shows like that, everything's like hunky dory and fine, but as we've been finding out over years now, um, it's not. And uh, like how, you know, I mean, I think the the Roseanne reboot becoming the Connors is a good example. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing how Hollywood is trying to tussle with this because they want to like, you know, like you're saying, they, they don't want new ideas. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, there are plenty of new, very original, ideas but they i feel like there's a whole generation of executives that think people 
largely Americans are so stupid that they can't wrap their head around watching something new. Well, I also think it's like to get through the clutter, like they're like, um, you know, being like, we can't, there's so many stuff and complains about how much stuff there is. They can't search, they can't find. So like, no one's going to, I mean, I mean, Yellow Jackets is a clear example that they're wrong. Like people, if it's a good show, we'll talk about it, but it's like, no one's going to like find this new show called Pen15 on a TV show. Instead, what they'll do is uh, we'll give them the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or we'll give them Fuller House or we'll give them, you know, a name that they recognize so that it already cuts through the noise. And there's right. certainly truth to, yeah. uh, it's a good launching point, you know, like right. the it, it'll get articles written up about how they're rebooting, blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, but you just have to, I guess, trust that but then again, a lot of stuff they make ends up not being good. So they're like, if we're going to make something that might not work out, might as well use some name recognition. Right, uh, right. It's, it's like when they were making all like the battleship movies, like when Hasbro sold all their toys right. or whatever. And they, right. Um, but then even that worked. I mean, Lego movies are fucking great. Yeah. You can thank slash blame Chris Miller and Phil Lord for that. Man, they did so, such a good job. I remember watching they, that movie being like, just for that being your job, they crushed it. Like, yeah, if, they really, really did. But then yeah. Battleship got made into a movie, and then yeah. I feel like they, they just opened the floodgates. So like, well, they can do it. Well, because they got the magic touch that everybody else does. Yeah, I will yeah. say I got to see I got to see an early screening of uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers um, uh, because uh, a friend of mine is writing it, and uh, and it's cool. It's like uh, it's it's the reimagining in a cool way, not just um, you know replaying the hits and so look for that sometime this year uh, oh cool it's a uh, uh, sandberg and uh, john mulaney are the chippendale and it's a uh, it's going to be i i really enjoyed it john mulaney is a chippendale huh <laughs> what what a man what a time that guy's had huh yeah and i hope through his journey people realize that uh you know whatever your conception of a very famous person is it's wrong because they <laughs> have multitudes like we all do and yeah. uh john isn't like just the uh baby adults who, who talks perhaps a little bit like a game show host that everyone thought he was right yeah no yeah. he's a performer on stage that uh that, that was a thing uh, i learned in, in improv too it's sometimes like seeing people on stage and like oh that's who they are and then like meeting them and being like oh no that's them on stage that is yeah. a different thing than yeah them. In real life, yeah. Yeah. This is one of my favorite things about Natalie Palomides. Natalie is not an improviser. She's, uh, I think, a clown first before everything else. Mm -hmm. I think that's fair. But Natalie plays some of the most demented, insane, chaotic characters ever. But if you ever talk to her, it sounds like she just came off the bus from Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah. Yes, well, how's it absolutely. going, Casey? Nice yeah. to see you. After she yeah. just like screamed about like fucking the devil or whatever. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I remember the first time I met her just being like, oh, that person is so kind. And it almost looked like someone brought their like little sister to an audition at first. <laughs> I was like, who is that? That's fun. And then like saw her perform live. I was like, oh, she has uh, so much. Uh, I got to figure out a better term for balls uh, <laughs> uh, because that's not right. But she has so much. Uh, trust in herself right yeah gumption maybe i feel like oh, that's not exactly bad. but yeah. you know yeah we're gonna get maybe along. we should start saying pussy maybe like take the because that actually is the strong powerful yeah. like they're actually giving birth and all the all the well i'll, I'll workshop it with uh <laughs> someone who is another man we'll, we'll come up with this come up with a better answer 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, let let me know, and maybe I'll put it in the show notes or whatever, or do a follow up. Right. Um. So, how long has Holy Shit Improv been running at Silver Lake Lounge now? Uh, we started in July, um, mm-hmm. and so whatever that math is, about about half a year, uh, it seems mm-hmm. like. Uh, we're doing Monday nights, uh, 8 o'clock start, 7 o'clock doors. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, so you've had a, 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 at least a couple dozen teams do it by now. Um, how has the reception been? Uh, real good, actually. Like, um, I mean, again, we've been lucky to book a lot of people's first show back, which is fun and exciting and gives that element to it as well. And then we've got to, you know, uh, get teams back, even if like individuals have performed, they haven't got to perform with like the people that they choose to perform with. So that's, that's very fun. And then um, it's also just like, uh, you know, more of a built in fun hangout in the fact that like it isn't a bar <laughs> mm-hmm. uh that we don't have to a lot of times in comedy shows are like after the show's over be like now what bar do we go to uh right. and at ours we're like we're already here uh so it's like a nice uh little fun it also helps to get the audience into that too because then it's mm-hmm. a little bit of a, something to do on a on a monday night but um no we've had great i've, I've had uh only until omicron uh, obviously when we took some time off and then it's been a little bit harder to book um mm. uh but now that we're starting to sadly enough people have had it and are through it that we can book lineups again. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that uh, I think I, it, it, it hasn't been, it's not a sell. I'm definitely not like pushing anyone to do this show or it's more right. just like, Hey, do you want to like, yeah, Oh my God. Um, and yeah, it's been great. Yeah. I, that was a trip. I went to a show a couple nights ago. It, it was like a standup show. One of the comics was like, all right, so clap if you haven't had COVID. And it, out of like 80 people that were there, maybe five clapped. Wow. And I was wow. like, oh my God. Wow. Yeah. Really? Like, yeah. God damn. I know. It is yeah, yeah. that point. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm glad everyone seems like, okay, <laughs> that's like yeah. why you're here. But like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, the first Holy Shit Improv I went to, Rachel Bloom and Dan Greger were on the host team with you mm-hmm. and i i literally went holy shit <laughs> yeah that's it i mean we get we get great people and that's one of the reasons why i i did it was i was looking back i used to run i did stand up for a while and then i started running my own um uh, improv show for about indie improv show for about 5 years um mm-hmm. uh, with it, with a group that i performed with and i was recently uh, what was I doing? I was like in my email, like searching for a name and uh, just started looking at some of those old lineups we had of like mm-hmm. Randall Park and Lauren Lapkus and Colton Dunn and like right. truly like a- anyone who you see in comedy shows on television at some point probably did our show. And I was like, oh man, there's so much talent. And mm-hmm. I, I just got burnt out because we were uh, doing too much and uh, and it just after five years was too much. But uh, so I was like, mm-hmm. let me keep it smaller and simpler. And again, we, we you know, we've had um carlos santos from gentified uh heather ann campbell from whose lines is anyway carl tart drew tarver rachel bloom like um uh just some of the people who have performed uh on our show so far uh and and it is and again from like i'm i'm mostly pulling from if if like you were a ucb -er who uh liked all those ucb house teams 
I've had or will eventually get through to having them all <laughs> on our stage, uh, right. but also pulling people's uh, indie teams, people that they choose to perform with, people from uh, from Second City, from from Westside, from IO, um, uh, uh, truly. And if you're also just a fan of improv and there's a team that you love, you know, like Cook County is a team uh, we've mm -hmm. had up, or or a team that you're like, oh, I'd love to see blank, like uh, tell me and I'll reach I'll reach out to them because uh, that's part of it is just like. Um, I've learned that while the performers have certainly missed this, there's like a whole crew of people who would go to so many improv shows throughout their week and that's gone. Their social life is gone from that too. So I'm not only letting performers perform for the first time, but I'm bringing back some of that audience. And then because we're at a new location, uh, we're also introducing improv to people that have never seen it before. Um, so it's like this really nice, uh, for me, sweet mix of like all of that, um, bringing back some people, uh, finding new fans of improv and, um, right. just showcasing like truly amazing, uh, comedy talent that there is in LA. Yeah. I would ask any, any team Sean distance on. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. We've had, I, I for, we had pony, but yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll do more. I'll get more Sean distance there. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot. He was, he had a cage match run with Devin field That's right. Yeah. for what was it? Big money. That wasn't it. Was it? Oh, I don't, they, their name, I should know that. I should know my cage match lore. Uh, but, um, but yeah, no, they were there for a long time. And then he's, I think he had another one, a very, a shorter one with Lisa Gilroy. And he might've right. had another one with another group. Yeah. He's had, he's had a few. He's, he's very good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, that would be fun. I'm curious. You started as a standup. What was the sort of like um, spark that made you switch to improv? Well, I like I started both in LA. So I'd never done it. Um, I, I did, I, before I moved to LA, I was living in Australia for a year and I tried stand up one time, uh, just to, like make sure that what I was doing wasn't crazy <laughs> to move here. Uh, and, uh, it, it didn't go, it went okay. It was like, you know, anyone's first time stand up. I had one good joke and then uh, everything else was, was not that what great. What were you doing in Australia? I mean, Minnesota, Australia to LA. <laughs> yeah, that, that was my move. Um, I, I knew I wanted to follow comedy, but I had a good job in, um, in, in Minneapolis, I was working in the marketing department of Mall of America. I was like mm -hmm. the head of the community relations department there. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, uh, I knew that if I quit my job to become a comedy writer and actor, everyone would say, like, have you written anything? Like, what's, you know, like all these follow-up questions. Um, but if I was just like, hey, I'm moving to Australia, then no one had any follow-up questions. They were just like, that's so cool. Um, <laughs> and so my mom is Australian. So I, I lived with my I have citizenship. I lived with my uncle over there. I wrote a terrible screenplay in Word, right. uh, Microsoft Word <laughs> format. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you I, did. Uh, I uh, tried stand up on my like second to last day because it was like, I have to do it at some point. But even though I was there right. for a year, that's how much right. it mattered to me. Mm -hmm. um, and then. Then I moved back to Minnesota for like, because uh, um, uh, two months before I moved out to, and so I did take one improv class in Minneapolis, mm -hmm. but it was like not like there was one that you had to audition for, and then there was one that like anyone could take, and I took the one anyone could take, and even two of the days I didn't show up because it just I was too scared, it like meant too much for me, and so then I started both of them at the same time, stand up and uh, and improv and. Uh, stand-up open mics were giving me like three to four minute sets, some five, like if I bought a sandwich or something. Right. Um, and then uh, improv classes, you'd like in your first couple of weeks, you're doing like 20, 25 minutes on stage, you know? Right. And it was just like, well, like the amount of time and comfortability I got doing improv uh, was just able to, I got so much stage time so quickly. Um, and then also like, I think I am probably better at, uh, working with a team, uh, right. and like uh, building off other people's ideas and kind of collaborating. Right. Um, and so that felt more natural to me, but, um, 
so that's kind of uh, i had a, a team that was like hey well we're thinking about doing more practices aside from class and put on our own show and uh yeah. and i was like all right i was but i was living with all these stand-ups i was like i'm willing to do it so long as like we go as hard as like uh living at, at that house in the comedy garage we'd you know do it stand up every night like at least probably maybe five or six nights out of the week maybe not all seven but right. often sometimes seven so i was like if we like hit this that hard with stand up i'm down but i, I noticed a lot of people were doing improv just because it was like you don't have to prepare anything so it was <laughs> yeah. a, lot of, a lot of like lazier people who liked comedy and i was like well i don't want to do that um right and because the whole goal was always to kind of just like prove to people in LA i'm funny so i can get writing work <laughs> or right. uh, acting work and then i would do these stand-up shows and there'd be small crowds and I would get small amount of time. And then I'd do these improv shows. And at the time there were these big crowds and I'd get a ton of time. And mm -hmm. so it just made more sense to me to follow that path. Right. Um, and then now it's interesting after, after COVID I, I, I came out and tried, a f I've started to like dip my toe back into the open mic scene. Uh, there's, there's one here. Uh, I live in Atwater that I go to um, every once in a while. And uh, to see how much that open mic scene has changed, at least the East side from right. when I came up, it's like, um, you know, everyone's first joke is like, um, kind of like, uh, now I'm a, uh, you know, uh, I'm a bisexual, like uh, giving their like pronouns and explaining like their uh -huh. point of view and like being like, Oh wow, this is, you know, and I never had a great first joke anyway. I think that's like one of the, one of the things I need to figure out, uh, even right. now it's like, uh, having one of those, it's like, I know you all, I know what you're all thinking. I sure. look like a mix of blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And everyone's like, yeah. Oh, you do. Um, but just to see how those jokes used to, like the first joke used to be something about probably like someone's dick or something. And now it's like, um, so much more about like their actual, who they are and their journey and stuff. I was like, Oh, cool. This all right. And, and I have noticed to me, and maybe just this one room that I tend to go to, but, uh, the standup community does feel a lot more, uh, supportive and maybe it's just the way I was viewing it then right. I, maybe I'm more comfortable with myself. So I'm more, right. uh, comfortable in these rooms than I was right. when I was first coming up. But, uh, it does feel like, uh, I, and that's, not this is not at all the question you asked, but that is one of the things <laughs> sure. um, with stand up and me is like um, I still kind of have a little bit of treat like the audience in my head is is kind of like all right funny guy prove it like you, th yeah. you you came up with this before you you think that this is funny enough to say out loud to a crowd yeah. all right it better be whereas like improv to me from my point of view the audience is a little bit more like wow you're just gonna make it up okay <laughs> this, how cool you know like and then the the highest one is like musical improv where they're like whoa no matter what you do i am on board because i can't believe you're doing any of it you know yeah, um, yeah, yeah. so i have to kind of uh mentally bring myself to like the same like no they're just as kind <laughs> there's just as nice people at a stand-up show as an improv show but um that's my own that's my own brain right i do think there is i don't think you're off because like there is sort of what of an expectation when you go to a stand-up show that it, like all of this has been prepared to mm -hmm. a degree. Mm -hmm. um, so like, even though I think a lot of people who watch improv, even maybe semi-regularly, they don't really know the ins and outs of like, well, it's like kind of improvised. Mm -hmm. Like you've been trained, the part of the training so much is like, so there's like a guarantee that no matter what you guys are improvising about, it'll be funny. Yeah, and we have ways to communicate. Like, I think the the thing that makes a good improviser compared to like someone who's newer at it is like uh, even new people in scenes will be able to communicate their character in their scene with the other character in the scene. Right. Uh, but the advantage more skilled improvisers have is they can also communicate improviser to improviser. So like right. 
our characters in the scene will not only communicate, but I can also say to the person I'm performing with, like, is this the funny thing? Is this what you want to fuck around with? Okay, yeah. yeah, let's have fun with this thing. Or like, no, oh, that's not it? Okay, then let's keep talking. Let's just, you know. So there's like that that right. extra wavelength that um, that uh, that takes a little bit of time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I do find it amusing that you <laughs> were attracted by more stage time because like technically stand-ups would want more stage time, but they never looked to improv to do it. Yeah, I mean, just, tr I mean, absolutely, especially because it was like, I just, I I think I stopped doing stand-up around like my fourth year in, mm -hmm. and I was just kind of starting to get really comfortable, right. not even really comfortable, but starting to get comfortable. And I think I've heard people say that, like, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, I, and I'm sure had I started in Minnesota, I have a friend who started back there, and he was like, his second set was like 25 minutes. He had to like, just like fill all the time in the world. So like, he probably got comfortable a lot quicker than 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 that right. but um right. often I like people like yeah and stand up around four years start finding your voice or whatever um mm -hmm. but just from taking these classes and then doing shows like when when we used to do like the only show that that wasn't at ucb at that time was called uh, tnt on tuesdays and they would give any team like 25 to 30 minutes um wow. and so like your first shows ever performing it's like you and whoever i think it was mine was like five people on a team and we were doing like a 30 minute set so i was on stage and the way that i improvise i'm i'm not on the back line very much I'm getting <laughs> in there. so i was like doing like right. 20 22 minutes of comedy right. um whereas the that would have been what six or seven stand-up shows and then that's restarting that energy every time in a stand-up show i never right. got that flow i never got that um so yeah it was absolutely like just got way more comfortable uh, because of the amount of opportunity I had. Right. I wonder, have you ever roped in Paul Cornell and Sean, uh, AKA the comedy garage into doing improv once with I, you? I haven't. No, that's an interesting, that's an interesting thought. I know Paul did groundlings, so he probably has the, uh, I bet Paul would be pretty good at it actually. Yeah. I think so too. I think they'd all, they all would be, I mean, I think, Cornell, they'll like, there was like a minute where we would go, where they would come to my show. It's like a, a, a real hot minute. Yeah. <laughs> and then ultimately, ultimately it's Maybe like, like two, a, two shows. Yeah. <laughs> like, then they got like girlfriends or whatever. And they're like, oh, well then I, th that's one of the reasons I was coming to this. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah, no, that would actually be a fun, that'd be a fun idea. I'm sure, I think they'd all be, be good at it. Cause it, when in doubt, they all have point of view and their own, they just play through themselves and yeah, yeah. that would be, that'd be fun. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> coming to the comedy garage, do it, do an improv, I guess at Rafa's. That's where they, <laughs> they did one comedy garage last year in October. Yeah. That I only found out after the fact, uh, cause they just tweeted it out once. Right. Yeah. Sometimes it's like kind of hidden. They have to be like, we're not actually a location. So you have to have this password and you have to. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even though I don't think it ever happens there, Rafa's just seems like the place where it's like a jazz trio should just be playing here where you could just like not have to fully pay attention, yeah. but it's cool. And like whenever like the trumpet's playing a solo or a sax, you go like, oh yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. And then you can go back to do whatever else you were doing in that weird space. Yeah, I shot a, I shot a scene for a short once and um mm -hmm. was talking to my then girlfriend now wife about being like because like oh, i have this big screen i can do like screenings and stuff here and i was like oh cool yeah this i was like maybe we do that and then like she just saw that there wasn't really a bathroom there's like kind of a bathroom but it's not like a uh, it's a bathroom but like there's no way that like the door isn't it's like a saloon door or something where you can kind of like <laughs> yeah. see the the legs and, and right. she's just like uh, she's like oh, i think they have to get like a a bathroom that I feel comfortable in before we do something here. And I was like, okay, fair point. So that's a, a good lesson for all business owners. <laughs> uh -huh. Have have a bathroom that women feel comfortable in. 
Yeah. It's sad how much that needs to be stated. I don't think that could be overstated in this current time. Yeah. Oy, oy, oy. Um, well, he was a very very nice man and charged me a very good rate for my short film so I, i'm a big rafa's fan yeah oh yeah uh and well, goldberg's too goldberg's i've auditioned for them a couple times so every choice they make over there i'm, I'm all for it <laughs> and uh support that show completely and fully yeah anybody else you want to shout out just to take this time uh, i think i already said i supplied to Senate live a writing packet a couple times so um uh-huh. I think I, I mentioned them and, and uh, um, I don't know if anyone else can help my career. I think that's about it. Um, so yeah, I feel good about that. Awesome. Uh, well, cool. If you, any others come up, feel free to mention. Now, uh, one, I, I think one last question I have, you mentioned you uh, would teach at UCB. Do you have any idea what's happening with UCB? Cause it's I not back no, currently. I have no idea. I have no idea. I, t- I still teach there. And I still have no idea. I, um, I'm not <laughs> Do you teach teaching. virtually. Yeah, I, I used to teach improv classes there. And then um, uh, once it switched to online, I stopped because uh, you can do online improv teaching. But I, I just I didn't feel like I was as good at it as as what I, uh, they charge. Um, so then I've now I teach a class about uh, commercial auditioning and commercial acting. Um, and I do that all virtually because um, like 90 eight, 99% of my commercial auditions are online and virtual anyway. So I'm, I'm teaching it the same way that you're auditioning. So, um, so I'd still do that class, uh, through UCB, um, and have a zero idea, uh, what is happening. I, there's, uh, uh, fun rumors, uh, every once in a while, but, um, uh, yeah, n- no idea. Well, that was an update to even know that they were still doing stuff because at least from my end, it doesn't seem like anything is currently going on, but I understood that they were doing classes, but I, I didn't know where that was. Yeah, it's all it's online. They pulled their website down completely, which is a little bit of a bummer because they right. used to have like performer pictures and stuff that could still help in casting right now that they right. t- took down for some reason. Um, but I will say I went in there one to the theater one time um, uh, for a screening of a of a friend's uh, movie. They let us go in there to watch it one night and um, mm-hmm. they had like repainted the place and there were some new uh, seats uh, in there, nice and big and comfy. So um, I don't know if that means that they did all that so that they could relaunch or if they did all that to sell it. I have no idea what is happening, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I'll, uh, I'll always down to share rumors <laughs> that anyone hears. Feel free to text me or call me up and uh, we can pass them around. But yeah, no, no idea. Sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I, the uncertainty is still thick in the air as the pandemic is, as people are finally facing not over. Mm-hmm. I felt like, uh, you know, right before Delta, people were thinking, oh, it's over. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. And yeah, 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 yeah. 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 rude, rude awakening. Yeah. And yeah, you, I mean, like there are things that have come back or at least announced the intention of coming back and they had to reschedule or whatever. But yeah, no one really knows what's going on with UCB. And that was such a big part of improv uh in la and new york and as it stands now it seems like they're only gonna have one location in person and that'll be the franklin location and i i mean i had carl turd on here and because of ucb he used to do i don't know like 15 20 shows a week yeah and uh through 2021 he maybe did like three or four yeah no it's it's, it is absolutely true i mean they used to have uh three or four shows a night at 
uh, you know, three stages in LA most recently, and then not to mention New York. And so, um, yeah, that's a lot of performers, a lot of people, a lot of uh, shows that people aren't doing anymore. So um, definitely trying to capitalize on that uh, lack right. of stage time and people that are great who, who don't have a space uh, coming over to Holy Shit. And um, uh, yeah, that's that's definitely uh, one thing we're working on. And, and also, uh, hopefully in February, we're going to start um, live streaming our shows. Um, I think the plan is, and this could all change, but I think our plan is to have our shows be uh, free if you're watching them live at the time of the show. And then after that, if you want to catch a show after it's over or watch all of our uh shows throughout the time then there'll be some patreon you can um pay for and then we might even also uh turn the audio into a podcast as well so uh look for uh, more holy shit improv uh stuff even if you don't live in la there should be opportunities for you to hear it and see it and check it out that's exciting that's awesome uh i know that rat scraps out of new york does that uh they live stream their shows and actually that's uh because Omicron, they're only live streaming their shows. I don't think mm. there's going to be any audience for the, uh, for the last two weeks. And I think this coming week, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I think that's awesome. And I'm, I, I'm, I feel like, you know, uh, Ben and um, Thomas, Ben Schwartz and Thomas Milditch, mm -hmm. kind of figured out a way to do improv as a special, but I do largely think that part of the magic of it is you can't cut anything out. Like, mm -hmm. so live yeah. streaming it is probably the way to go. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we, we hope so. And then, um, and I also know I'll promote big grande one more time. They, they recently did a thing where they, um, uh, like dressed up in costumes, but didn't see each other or the set until they like got onto set mm -hmm. and then did a scene there and, and videotaped. And I'm sure that those will go up on their website, but it did seem like another, I was like, Oh, this is another version of what I could see be turned into a special. So I think people are starting to figure it out and, and, um, we're working with a company, uh, that is excited about trying to shoot uh, improv a little bit more like how Meltdown looked as a TV right. show uh, yeah. and get some a uh, little bit better angles and not just like uh, your mom uh, filming your high school play with one camera on a <laughs> you know, tripod in the back of the room. Uh, yeah, so yeah. hopefully hopefully that'll be uh, something you can look for. Awesome, man. Do uh, you think that's going to happen this year? We're hoping that we'll start it in February. So All we'll right. see. Oh, awesome, man. That's yeah. great. Um, does that have a name at all? Oh, just, oh, you mean Big Grande's thing? Uh, or no, the, the thing that you're like kind of working with the company to search. Oh uh, yeah. I think we're just going to keep it. Holy shit. Improv feels simple and searchable. Although right, now that right. I said that I should probably go and uh, claim those domains <laughs> that, I, yeah. that I need. So, so it could be anything. Uh, it'll probably be uh, something different, something uh, weird. Uh, yeah, who knows? Well, you'll have at least, you know, probably 12 to 24 hours to do that before this comes out. So right. yeah. You, you gotta lead, lead in um well that's gonna be it for this episode today thank you so much for joining me casey thanks for having me absolutely um is there anything else you would like to promote and where can people find you online sure yeah uh my name is casey face c-a-s-e-y-f-e-i-g-h and that's also my instagram and twitter uh and also my website and uh, i have a bunch of short films that i've written and directed on my website uh you can also find my most recent one uh if you look at my pinned tweet on uh twitter um and uh yeah that's the stuff that i'm that i usually like to promote i'm most proud of and um then i got a i got an all-state commercial running around the the tv right now if you want to if you yes, see you me, you can say like, yay, or, or, you know, be like, I know that guy. Uh, and, uh, and that's about it. Cool. 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 
uh, do check all that out. If you're in LA, when it does indeed come back uh, for real in person, go see Holy Shit Improv at the Silver Lake Lounge Mondays at 8 p.m. Um, and I guess when it starts streaming, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. Pacific. Uh, I am Jay Kroger. I created the Comedy Bureau. You can find the Comedy Bureau at thecomedybureau.com at the Comedy Bureau across socials. You can find me on Instagram at not the supermarket on Twitter at MFJ Kroger. There are so many great causes of support at this time. I ask that you please support those. But if you have money and generosity left over, please support the Comedy Bureau uh, because it runs on people's support of it and kind of nothing else. Um, and do you have anything to say as we sign off? Yeah, I should promote actually the Holy Shit Improv. We have a Instagram account, um, and uh, that's where we'll announce the news for any of our shows or anything like that. So uh, and the lineups simple. and our lineups. That's right, we, and that's just Holy Shit Improv uh, on Instagram. We have a Twitter, but I, I sometimes forget to promote put, put the information on there. So the best one is the Instagram Holy Shit Improv, uh, yeah. and uh, friend us. And and if you do improv yourself, we'll follow you back. Uh, and if not, then just follow us and we'll still be friends. We just won't follow you. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Way to make friendship conditional, Casey. <laughs> um, live comedy is uh, still happening, uh, believe it or not. And uh, it's great if you can swear anyway, virtually or in person. Um, and as the great Brody students would say, enjoy it. Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Glenio. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast family. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.